Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey, you guys. Welcome to the Kern River Fly Shop Podcast. I'm your host, Guy Jeans. And uh, I want to thank Sims... Uh, fishing products as uh, one of the sponsors and also Reddington fly rods also Rio lines leaders and tippets and Costa sunglasses and I'm going to do a quick little uh, fishing report for you for uh, this week and um, the actually the fishing has been pretty good uh, in the southern Sierras this week um, the lower Kern which I've been uh, guiding and fishing on the, the last week has been fishing really good um, water temps have bumped up into the 60s on the lower Kern and um, we are getting smallmouth and largemouth bass down there um, some of the uh, questions I get on the Kern River Fly Shop podcast email is one of the questions like where do we fish on the lower Kern and the lower Kern's amazing um, it's roughly about uh, 60 miles long, and it's uh, the tailwater that comes out of Lake Isabella. And we fish it from basically Lake Isabella Dam all the way to Bakersfield. And there's a highway that goes up the, the river there called the 178. And um, you can actually uh, pull off on some of the turnouts there, walk down, and start catching bass. Um, in the lower Kern, the smallmouth bass were put in there in the 1940s, as I was told from a fishing game biologist, and they've maintained a self-sustaining population down there since. And um, the conditions down there are really nice for them. And then mixed in with them are largemouth bass, and they're all the way from Lake Isabella Dam all the way down to Bakersfield as well. And uh, if you've never caught a smallmouth on a fly rod, it is a hoot. Um, and we're using uh, four, five, and six weight rods, depending on what we're throwing. Um, I've been uh, tying a fly with an eighth ounce uh, head on it that sinks really fast. And um, we're doing a lot of floating down there, too. So with certain sections you can float. Um, on my guide trips, we'll take people down. They, each person gets their own uh, pontoon boat. And then we'll float down in real safe areas um, where it's like class one. So... Um, it's not real dangerous or anything like that. Um, and we'll float down and uh, cast to the banks using these type of flies. Um, we also do uh, flies underneath uh, poppers. So we'll do a, a popper dropper technique where we're, we're floating down and we put a, a streamer underneath a popper. And we float that right next to the bank and bam, we'll get picked up that way. Um, we'll use sinking leaders as well and we attach those to our floating lines and we'll throw things like game changers and uh, white streamers and olive streamers down there on the lower kern and um, that quite frankly is what some of my favorite fishing in the southern sierra is the, is the lower kern one is that you know not a lot of people do it um, the access isn't uh, isn't all that great on some of the areas you have to you do have to float it to get to some of the areas um, you can walk and wait it in certain areas, um, and it's just kind of a neat little mysterious kind of fishery, you know, the smallmouth, uh, 
Um, in my uh, experience, uh, they're really hard to catch when the water temperature uh, drops below 50 degrees. Um, once it gets over 50 degrees, especially into the 60 degree range, they seem to uh, really turn on and um, we can start catching them. Um, some of the other flies that uh, I've been using down there are, are poppers, just poppers by themselves, throwing those against the bank and, um, you know, throwing them right next to the bank uh, in the little coves um, where there's like a little bit of structure where the water's not moving too fast, um, throwing them in there and uh, popping them out. And uh, if you've never caught a bass on top water or a smallmouth on top water, it's a hoot. Um, smallmouth bass are super strong as well. They pull really hard. And um, it's, a, it's a great experience if you've never uh, caught a smallmouth on a, on a fly rod. Um, moving on to another favorite of mine is uh, Lake Isabella. And every year uh, about this time, you know, the April, May, June time frame, the, the Isabella carp start moving into the shallows. And that's another species that's become really popular in the last, uh, I don't know, 15 years or so. You know, people are really starting to fly fish for carp. And a lot of people are, why would you want to catch a carp on a fly? Or even why, why would you even want to catch a carp? And, you know, to catch a carp, it takes all your fly fishing skills. It really does. It takes your casting, takes your uh, fighting big fish. Um, and um, I, I was telling somebody this the other day. I, I just went to uh, Mexico and um, we were kind of right on the border of Mexico and Belize. And uh, we were uh, we were fishing for permit and bonefish and barracuda and all these saltwater species and you know the one of the the fish that a lot of people go to these places to catch is a, is a bonefish and uh, bonefish is very very similar to uh, a catching a carp on, on a fly except bonefish are a lot easier in my opinion <laughs> um, the bonefish uh, are willing to eat like if you get the fly anywhere close to them they will eat it and um carp um on the other hand you know they've got so many different things going on um they could be tailing you know with their heads down in the mud um they could be mudding which is kind of the similar thing um they could be clooping which is where their mouths are up on the surface and they're eating stuff off the surface um or they're cruising or they're um spawning like they've been doing the last few days and um when they're spawning they're super hard to catch um so you have to look for the ones that aren't spawning. So that's a real, sometimes a really difficult thing for us uh, trout folks um, is to, when you see something splash or something come up, you know, you cast towards it. But with carp, if you see something splash, they're usually spawning or they're, they're not, they won't be interested in your, in your fly, put it that way. But what's neat about Lake Isabella is we have an overabundance of Lake Isabella carp. And, um, over the years, we've kind of developed flies for them. Um, we've kind of figured out their routine and what they do. Um, we have these things called the Isabella Flats, which are all over the lake. And uh, usually about this time, you know, we have high flows and the lake starts filling up and it starts filling up those flats. And the, what's really cool is the, they're really clear and um, you're walking in about knee deep uh, water 
just a little over your knees sometimes, and you're cast into, you know, five to 10 pound fish and uh, the carp get pretty big. So it's a lot of fun. If you've never done that, you got to give it a try. Um, we have every year we have this uh, carp fly fishing tournament, which is coming up uh, this weekend on the 21st. It's called the John Harp Carp Fest, and it's put on by the Southern Sierra Fly Fishers, which is a amazing fly fishing club. Um, if you'd like to join that, go to the Southern Sierra Fly Fishing Club org, and you can sign up to be in this uh, in this amazing tournament. Um, if not, just learn learn something about carp fishing, and or uh, meet some new friends that, that like to fish for sure. Um, but yeah, check out the carp fishing for sure. It's a it's a really neat thing. Um, once you do it, um, uh, you'll you'll be a carper for sure. <laughs> So let's talk about uh, the Kern, um, the wild trout section, for sure. So we've been having uh, fluctuating flows. Um, the upper Kern is right above uh, Kernville, and uh, the upper North Fork of the Kern River has a bunch of different sections um, that we fish. Um, the one I'm going to talk about right now is uh, the upper Kern and some of the different sections. So let's let's start... Um, with the uh, four mile wild trout section and the four mile wild trout section is a special regulate regulation section um barbless hooks that sort of thing and it's managed that way they don't stock it and it's a it's a really neat fishery it has uh one of california's native fish in it called the kern river rainbow and um some of those fish can get up to uh you know 18 20 inches sometimes bigger um in the upper current up there um, average fish are probably between 12 and 14 inches. Um, get some smaller than that, get some bigger than that. But you can expect to catch, you know, the 12 inch range uh, to 14 inch range for sure. A lot of fun. Um, best techniques up there right now, um, using a dry fly with a dropper has been pretty productive. Although we've been using some streamers up there as well. And, uh, and swinging flies, which has been a lot of fun. We've been seeing increased flows. Um, it's kind of been a weird year because we don't have the big snowpack that we normally have. And so we've been having this weird weather where it's been hot and then it's been cold. And um, so when it gets hot, the, the snow melts and the river comes up. Then when it gets cold, it stops the melt. And so our, our uh, flows have been kind of fluctuating between 400 and 800 CFS. And to kind of give you guys an idea on a normal year, we're usually up around the three to four thousand uh, cubic feet per second, and we're only up at the, the four hundred to six hundred this year to kind of give you guys a, a reference. Um, they're usually doing big whitewater trips uh, through uh, May and June, and um, I don't think they're going to be doing too many this year. Um, but the fishing up there in the wild trout section um, is is darn good. So. You might want to check that out. Um, flows are starting to come back up. I think we're at 600 a day. So as we heat up a little bit, we might see a little bit more runoff and see the, the flows come up just a little bit. We don't think they're going to get much bigger. So, um, you know, the water's clear and uh, you can have a lot of fun. Now coming down from the, the Johnsondale Bridge, uh, we have a section called the 20 mile section. And the 20 mile section has been fishing really good. And now we have different flows in that as well. So flowing down from the Johnsondale bridge, there's no dams or anything. And then 
about three miles below the Johnson Dill Bridge, we have this this intake or this dam called the Fairview Dam. And they take water out there and they pump it through the mountain and they put it back in in Kernville. So from the Fairview Dam down to Kernville, the flows can be uh, dramatically lower than in, in than in Kernville. So sometimes when uh, the water's, you know, 600, it could be 200 in that section, which is roughly about uh, 17 miles or so, 16 to 17 miles of water where the flows will be a lot lower below that section. So you can get into that section and fish uh, flows that aren't real high and and have a good time. Um, Hatches that we're seeing still um, are uh, blue wing olives, yellow sallies, and the tail end of the March browns. the salmon fly hatch is now up way above the four mile section, um, up towards the forks and into the golden trout wilderness for sure by now. Um, and so you can fish those dries and have a great time. Um, but also nymphing underneath an indicator um, or fishing streamers can get the job done for sure in the 20 mile section. Um, the South Fork of the Kern um, over by Kennedy Meadows. Um, flows are fishing good over there. They're, the flows are flowing good, and the fishing is good. Um, and it's a it's a lot of fun to uh, be able to uh, go over to that area as well and check that out, catch some uh, possible golden trout in that area and brown trout. Um, we've been doing some trips over there, and uh, the dry fly fishing over there has been fantastic. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Dakova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, let's talk about the uh, the surf, too, since we go over to the surf quite a bit, the California surf. Uh, 
Um, we, we've been doing classes from basically uh, Cambria all the way down to Newport, Orange County, sometimes San Diego. And uh, we haven't seen the Corbina coming in uh, quite yet, uh, but we have been seeing a lot of surf perch. Um, I've been uh, doing a lot of classes in the Ventura area, and we've been seeing surf perch. Not very big ones, but we've been finding them in the holes, and uh, that's been a lot of fun. Um, seen some folks uh, catching halibut as well off the jetties in Ventura, um, in the bay there, in the um, marina. And uh, But it's been a lot of fun. You know, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is how much coastline we have in California and how much uh, fly fishing opportunity we have in the California surf. So definitely check that out. Um, if you want to learn how to do that, we do have classes um, available to do that kind of stuff. And there's also guides all up and down the California coast that um, actually teach as well. So you might um, check them out too. Um, I do have some uh, questions that I wanted to answer. Um, we do have an email for this podcast and it's um, Kern River Fly Shop Podcast at gmail.com. Kern River Fly Shop Podcast at gmail.com. And we announced this um, and uh, we asked people to, you know, ask us questions. And uh, so I've got a question here um, that came in and uh, this is from John. Um, and the question is, what's the bed best rod size to use on the Kern? Um, so that's a good question. You know, um, we do experience wind, um, on the Kern. So sometimes, you know, we'll use a, a five, sometimes a six weight on the, on the upper Kern, just so we can cast in the wind. Um, but you know, using a four weight, a nine foot four weight, um, on the Kern is a lot of fun too. Um, I, I really like using a, a three weight which is about uh, 10 feet or 11 foot long. And um, that's a lot of fun fishing um, on the Kern because you can reach out and get over the boulders when you're European nymphing, that sort of thing. Um, so, a, you know, a, a three weight at that length, a 10 to 11 foot is, I don't know, probably a four weight uh, in reality. But um, try that sometimes. Get a three weight and a 10 foot or 11 foot and gives you a little advantage to um, just for uh, when you're nymphy. Um, let's see. Here's one from Jacob. Let's see. I, I saw you did a bass clinic on the lower kern. What size rod do you use? Also, what flies do you use? And so that's a, another great question. You know, on the lower kern, there's a variety of things that you can do. Um, and I'll, I'll fill you guys in on something that I do in the middle of the summer, which is a hoot and, and what rod I use. Um, but in the lower Kern, you know, a four five or six weight is pretty common. A five or six weight um, when you're throwing bigger flies, um, definitely um, a six weight when you're throwing big um, deer hair uh, type poppers. Um, one of my friends, uh, Ryan Bueller, ties these big old giant um, deer hair poppers and um, definitely need to have you know a rod with a little bit of backbone to throw those so I'll use my uh, six weight for that um, but what I do that's that's super fun is in the summertime when I'm floating down there and I'm, I'm exclusively fishing for smallmouth is I'll, I'll use my two weight 
and um, I'll put on a little sinking leader with the with the two weight. And um, you know what's really fun is like having one of those small mouth bend that little two weight over, and it's a it's a hoot. So um, those are kind of the rods that uh, I recommend. You know, uh, uh, four or five or six weight. Um, definitely a bigger rod when you're throwing heavier flies, especially those eighth ounce, uh, heads, um, with the, that, that drop and get down really fast. Um, use a heavier rod for sure. Um, here's another question from Joseph. Let's see. It says, uh, I've been trying to catch a carp on Isabella, <laughs> but I can't seem to catch one. Any advice you can give me? Um, yeah, absolutely. So. Earlier, I was talking about, you know, the characteristics of carp and uh, what they do. So one of the one of the things that you have to look for when you're fishing for carp are the ones that are feeding. Um, Sometimes like this last Saturday during my my carp clinic, we had literally hundreds, if not thousands of carp spawning. And so trying to figure out which ones aren't spawning and which ones are eating eating are, are pretty difficult to do. But if you look carefully and you're watching the carp, you can see the ones that are actually like cruising around, not paying any attention to the, the females or the females not paying any attention to the males. And they're just cruising around and you can see them stop and kind of suck um, dirt in or, or stuff off the plants and stuff like that. You can actually see them do that. And those are the ones that you want to target. Um, the other thing, too, is you don't want to do a lot of false casting. You know, that's the casting where you're going back and forth. Most of the time when you're carp fishing, you're doing kind of like a pendulum swing cast, which means that you're holding onto your fly and then you swing it into the carp. And uh, that's when they're mudding or tailing. So you're trying to get that thing to land relatively soft and close to that carp without spooking them. Um, You're going to spook them a zillion times, but just keep trying. That's the main thing is just try to get that fly by them without them seeing it. Don't strip it, just lay it there. And when they start coming, maybe just move it, just barely move it. But they're going to see it, they're going to rush over and, and grab it, especially the ones that are really aggressive. Um, I use a, a six weight when I'm uh, fly fishing for carp. Um, the fly that's been, you know, super, super effective on the uh, Lake Isabella Flats um, this week has been the olive an orange carpalicious, um, which we do have in the shop. And that, that fly has been rocking. Um, we do have another fly in the shop that's working, but not as good called the Isabella carp worm. Just that's usually the hot fly is the Isabella carp worm, um, red or chartreuse. But, uh, for whatever reason, they're really liking the, um, the olive and orange carpalicious, just a little, uh, heads up on that. Um, leader and tippet. I usually, I tend to go super, uh, heavy, um, one X or two X, on the leader, um, tip it um, down to, you know, 3X. Um, I don't find that they're, they're super tippet shy. Um, so having a little bit of uh, beef on there just so you can fight these, these fish. Once you hook them, they're going to go jamming through all the bushes and everything, so you don't want your tippet to break. Um, so there's a good little tip for you. Um, thanks, for the, thanks for those questions. Um, here's one more. Um, which I get quite a bit um, when people are just learning how to uh, fly fish. Some people ask, um, how do people fly fish on their current? It seems like there are so many trees 
and places to get hung up. And so, um, you know, one of the cool casts that, that you can use when you're fly fishing is called a roll cast. And you don't have to do a back cast, you know, where you're going back and forth. You just put the line just kind of behind you and you'll roll it out there. And you can, when you get pretty good at roll casting, you can cast halfway across the mighty Kern River. You know, it's, uh, you know, 25, 30, 35 feet. And you can, of course, when you get better, you can cast a roll cast a lot farther than that. You know, and the roll cast is, is such a great cast. Um, it is used in so many situations when you're, when you're fly fishing. You know, one of, the, uh, one of the five reasons that I talk about uh, when I'm teaching fly casting is, you know, the roll cast um, is used uh, just to get organized. So, like, when you're first getting your line out, you know, you have this pile of line. You, you need to get that line out there. So you actually use the roll cast you bring your rod behind you and you come forward and you roll it out there. And now you're straight to your, your fly, your, your line straight, your leader straight, everything's straight. Now you can do a regular cast. Um, another reason why we would use the roll cast, um, which I'm sure a lot of you will figure out eventually is that we use the roll cast to get our flies back, especially when they're unhooked, when they're hooked um, on a tree or a boulder or something like that. Um, you know, you can uh, put out a little bit of line, bring your rod behind you, roll cast out, and um, hopefully get that fly to unhook the way that it came in. So that's another reason why we use the roll cast. Um, another one would be wind. So think about, like, you know, you're trying to cast, and you got a, a wind coming into your backside and uh, you're trying to cast out there, um, you could actually bring your rod low to the water and then bring it up behind you and actually use the wind to your advantage to make your roll cast. Um, and so we use it. We use the roll cast when there's a lot of wind because we can't do a back cast. And then one another reason that we use the roll cast is, um, especially when we're fly fishing in the surf or we're using sinking lines, we use a roll cast to bring a sinking line to the surface um, prior to us doing any kind of cast. Because if the line is down deep, you can't lift that thing out of the water. You can't lift the line out of the water to cast. So you do a roll cast and it actually brings the line up to the surface. And then you're able to like do a back cast and uh, get your cast out there. So um, one is getting your line organized. Um, Two is like when you have obstructions behind you, like trees and rocks and all these kinds of obstacles where you can't do a back cast. We use the roll cast for that. Um, we use the roll cast of getting your fly unhooked and getting your, you know, $10 worth of flies that you have on there. Possibly you're using three flies at a time. You want to get your flies back. We also use it for wind. And then we also use it for bringing a sinking line to the surface. So I hope you guys uh, got some uh, information out of that. Um, everybody, thank you for those, uh, those questions. Um, again, it's Kern River Fly Shop Podcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions um, about fly fishing or the fisheries or gear and equipment, you know, give, us a, give us a shout out, give us an email, and uh, we'd be happy to answer those questions for you. So thanks a lot, you guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Kern River Fly Shop podcast. I want to thank everybody that's listening to it and 
blowing us up out there in the podcast world. We really appreciate it. You guys have a good one. Take care. search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv a life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.